0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I'm
1: authorized to release of one million barrels per day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to bring down that price. It's like dropping a pebble in the ocean. It's gonna have almost no impact. Russia abandoning control of Chernobyl, suffering from acute radiation sickness. Title 42 is scheduled to expire. When
2: it goes away, there's going to be a surge of migrants
1: at the border. He doesn't care.
0: Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7.
1: All right. Welcome in. News and Views for a Friday. Lots to talk about. Got a good guest coming up, by the way. Helen Gordon-Hill is going to be joining us. She worked pretty closely with the Trump administration, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's it looked like for Trump's future. Will he be the king or the kingmaker? First off, Fox News is reporting a Russian official is accusing Ukraine of launching airstrikes on an oil depot in the border city of Belgorod. Happened today, despite uh, reports that the attack may have been a false flag operation to further justify Moscow's brutal assault on Ukraine. Why would Moscow need any justification for what they're doing after what they've already done? And further, the idea that Russia is objecting, I, it, it, the story comes off. I mean, Russia's regional governor, Gladkov, wrote on Telegram that two Ukrainian helicopters started the fire that erupted at a facility injuring two workers, according to Reuters. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, you've, you've only destroyed three-fourths of our entire Ukrainian nation, and you're complaining that two of our helicopters came over across the border and blew up your uh, oil depot? <laughs> like, uh, how, what's the big idea, Ukraine? How dare you attack us? Wow. Uh, that, just a little bizarre. What's the big idea? How dare you cross over? Wow. And look, the idea of a false flag, I mean, the whole idea of a false flag is Russia is trying to justify some sort of provocation, uh, how can it get any worse than what they've already done? I mean, uh, unless they're going to drop a nuclear bomb, uh, it's uh, other than that, they've pretty much done everything that uh, has crossed the line in war crimes behavior, just saying. Speaking of Donald Trump, if you want to go see him, he'll be in eastern North Carolina next Saturday, April 9th, 7 o'clock, at the Farm at 95 and uh, which is a venue that's primarily used for weddings. I think Trump was there back in 2016 when he was running the first time. Uh, he's expected to speak in support of, uh, primarily in support of Ted Budd, but uh, also uh, apparently, now I've got another story on Madison, but Madison Cawthorn, he has endorsed, a Virginia Fox, uh, Bo Hines, a political newcomer who's running for uh, office running for Congress, in fact, if you want to go, you need to go to DonaldTrump.com forward slash events, DonaldTrump.com forward slash events. Uh, First come, first serve. You'll be, each applicant for tickets will receive two tickets and uh, they tell you what you got to do. Apparently you have to, once you are okayed for the tickets, then you need to verify it by phone and uh, doors will open at 8 a.m. Parking will open at 8 a.m. Doors will open at 2 p.m. Trump is supposed to uh, speak at 7 o'clock, yet they will have events on stage as early as 4 o'clock. I think last time he was there, I read somewhere that there was like 15,000 people that showed up to this venue. So apparently it's large enough that uh, quite a few folks can get in there. So it again, it's uh, next Saturday, April 9th, Trump will take the stage at 7 p.m. Johnson County at uh, is called the Farm at 95. If you've everybody's gone up and down 95, you've seen it off to your uh, right hand side, in the uh, town of Selma in Johnson County. Speaking of Madison Cawthorn, three of North Carolina's most powerful Republican elected officials are backing a primary election challenger to Madison Cawthorn. This from the News and Observer. Kostorm, first-time representative from the far western North Carolina, has generated headlines and controversies since joining Congress in 2020. Uh, Recently, he's had, one, a series of charges of speeding and driving violations, two, unflattering comments about the Ukrainian president, and three, talked about it just, well, talked about it again yesterday, but just this last weekend, he was on a podcast And he came out and said that um, he's been invited to Washington, D.C., orgies, and he's seen people doing cocaine. He's supposedly um, members of Congress doing cocaine. Now, he said this in a controversial—well, it's controversial now in a podcast. I'm not saying that the podcast was controversial, but what he said was— So Tom Tillis has come out, I mentioned this yesterday, and decided to back Chuck Edwards. Now it's come out that Phil Berger and Tim Moore plan to host a fundraising for Edwards next Thursday afternoon. Mr. Cawthorn hasn't demonstrated much in the way of results over the last 18 months, Tillis told CNN. Now Again, the primaries, May 17th. Kevin McCarthy, the top Democrat in the U.S. House, told reporters after meeting with Cawthorn, that he exaggerated or lied about claims saying he did not tell the truth. McCarthy did not rule out removing Cawthorn from his committee assignments about his comments. On Thursday, uh, Cawthorn's campaign released a new 30-second ad on Twitter saying he, quote, cannot be stopped, and even as the, quote, left-wing establishment has uh, targeted Madison Cawthorn as public enemy number one. Listen, I again I agree with his conservative principles but um I uh, Madison Cawthorn's public enemy might be himself. Just saying. Uh Richard Burr and Tillis, I know they're not uh, okay. Is, is Madison Cawthorn might, might take their accusations as a badge of courage. I understand that. Uh, Burr said, I thought about the statement, and if it's true, he's got a lot of information to reveal. If it's not true, then he's guilty of being untruthful. I'm sorry, that's from Tom Tillis. I thought it was a silly statement, and it's not the first one. Chuck Edwards, who owns several McDonald's franchises, Benny mentioned this yesterday, in Western Carolina, he is in his third term in the state Senate. He has loaned his campaign $250,000. He's raised about another $85,000. As of the end of December. In addition to Edwards, Republicans Bruce O'Connell, Wendy Nevarez, Matthew Burrell, Rod Honeycutt, and Michelle Woodhouse and Christine um, Sluter are also running. So that's a packed primary on May 17th. Uh, Woodhouse, Michelle Woodhouse, is a former ally of Cawthorne. He actually donated money to her campaign. When he came out and said he was going to run in a different district, then he changed his mind and said, no, I'm going to come back to my original district and run. We'll see what happens. Um, again, the only polling I've seen on this is about a month old and was really before any of these controversies, these recent controversies on the, um, driving violations, the comments about Ukrainian president and the orgies and drug comments. Prior to that, he had about 60% of the polling vote, uh, whether or not this other stuff has hurt. I I would think it has had to uh, put a dent into his um, lead. We'll see. Uh, neither North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis nor Richard Burr plans on supporting Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Burr announced Thursday afternoon he plans to vote against her confirmation. Burr said in a news release he met with Jackson this week to learn more about her positions on court packing, which would add justices to the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, Burr said, unfortunately, Judge Jackson's answers on the questions, both in her confirmation hearing and our personal discussion, continue to be unsatisfactory. Same argument from Tom Tillis. Tillis did question Jackson in the... uh, uh, nomination hearing about court packing and she wouldn't commit to whether she supported adding justices to the Supreme Court, which, uh, knowing her liberal background, means, yes, I would support it. Tilla said he would only vote to uh, add to the Supreme Court if he was convinced it was necessary because of an increased caseload. Quote, while she's undoubtedly Undoubtedly high qualified, highly qualified, knowledgeable and experienced. Based on our discussions, I cannot support Judge Jackson's nomination when it comes to the Senate. Burr said, "Listen, I, I'm sorry, but I don't get this double speak from Republicans like Burr. I mean, if if she is for, because I mean, he says she's undoubtedly highly qualified. B- but listen, if she's for court packing." That means she is for it because she is for judicial activism. And if she's for judicial activism, that means she's against the idea of separation of powers, which means she's working against the U.S. Constitution, which means she's not highly qualified. And I get it. You know, they they don't want to be branded as someone that's racist. They're scared to death of being called a racist. And I've, I've said this since I've started the program. The race card is played by liberals to try to shut up conservatives. Don't buy it. Don't fall for it. You know who you are. And just because some, somebody is going to call you a racist that doesn't make you one. And I know it's hard when the mainstream media all jumps on your case and racist, racist, racist. Like, look, if you're comfortable in who you are and you know who you are and you, you know that you're not a racist, speak the truth and let the cards fall where they may. This idea of, oh, highly qualified. Well, if she's highly qualified, then maybe you should vote for her. She's not highly qualified. Why? Because she's lying about, I mean, ultimately, as I just explained, she's lying about whether or not she's going to uphold the Constitution. I would say that disqualifies her. We're going to take a time out, lots more to talk about, including what is going on down in Disney World. We'll talk about that and more. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up.
0: This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and
1: 103.7. All right, welcome back, Ken. Today is a uh, it's the national holiday for atheists. Yeah, April Fool's Day. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God, right? Um, <laughs> boy, you talk about, it doesn't seem that long ago. For guys like me, I mean, half half of uh, those living today weren't around in 1970, but as on this day in 1970, Nixon signed a measure banning cigarette advertising on radio and television to take effect on January 1st, 1971. But yet we still remember... I say Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. You still remember that from uh, a long time ago, more than 50 years ago. Take a look at your weather forecast tonight. Clear skies, low around 39. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, a high in the upper 60s. Cloudy skies tomorrow night, a slight chance of rain tomorrow night, low around 49. Then, sunshine and perfect on Sunday with a high in uh, or low, lower 70s. We'll, we'll say that. So uh, it looks like, perhaps looking ahead to next week, we're looking like uh, the low for the week is Monday at 69. Lots of sunshine. So get out and enjoy. Uh, it's a woke world, after all. I, a friend of ours put on social media, their their family goes down to Disney World all the time. In fact, they buy annual passes as they, they go down there so much. Yeah, you know, It's interesting, my wife and I were down at a uh, convention that took place. It, it goes to different locations every year. And it, one year, about 10 years ago, they had it at uh, the Disney Resort, one of their uh, the Mexican-themed resorts. And so one day while we were there, we got there a day early, and we decided to go to um, Epcot. Well, th- this was at least 10 years ago. And even then, it was pretty obvious that Disney was going woke when it came to environmental issues. And it was rather humorous because this one display they had that you went through, they had this movie you went and watched, and it was based on The Lion King. But it was a story about how these this this bad capitalist company was going to come in to where the Lion King and all the animal buddies lived in Africa. And they were going to, now listen to this, even connect the dots, this this terrible capitalist company was going to come in and build a big resort in the midst of this area where the animals lived. And I thought to myself, uh, is, this, is this not the definition of irony? I mean, is this not what Disney World is all about? Let's come into an area that was basically just um, Everglades and swamp and forest in the middle of Florida, and uh, we're going to build a resort? I thought then, uh, I think they'll protest us too much. But anyway, these this friends of ours who get these annual uh, passes for their family, they said, no more. We've had it. No more. Earlier this week, there was a Zoom call that was leaked between a bunch of folks in management that all came under the umbrella of the entertainment sector of Disney. And that that could include the the entertainment parks like Disney World. It could also uh, would cover TV and films. And my gosh, what they talked about. Now, again, this all was spurred by this bill in Florida, HB 1557, which has been totally blown out of proportion. I mean, we've talked about this often, where this Florida bill basically says, look, eight-year-old and younger, you're not going to teach anything about gender, sexual orientation, anything about sex, basically. They're too young. You're not going to do it. And if anybody, it's it's a parental rights act. These are protecting the children, and it's giving the parents the right to protect their kids. And if anybody's going to talk to sex about an eight-year-old or younger, it's going to be mom and dad as it should be. But listen to this leaked Zoom call. Listen for yourselves. This is a Disney Zoom call meeting with multiple members of management for general entertainment content. Again, this would include all entertainment content. The people you're going to hear for, from in this Zoom meeting include Carrie Burke, president of Disney's general entertainment content, followed by Disney production coordinator, Alan March, followed by Disney's diversity and inclusion manager, Vivian Ware, and lastly, Disney's executive producer for television animation, uh, LaToya Revenue and you can pretty much see that they're all singing off the same page. Now, for in judgment day, honestly, I edited this, but I didn't it, it does not change the content of what they were saying. I just shortened it because otherwise we'd be here for the next uh, 45 minutes listening to this uh Disney Zoom call. But this is just a sampler of what they were talking about, but it is uh honestly representing the spirit and the content of what was being said.
2: I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child um, and and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them, um, to all of us. We had had an open forum last week at 20th, where, um, again, the home of of really incredible, groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years, where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of Queer leads in our content, and I went, "What? I, that can't be true." And I, and I, and I realized, "Oh, it it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and 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 yet we don't have enough leads." Yeah, um, I've had the privilege of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years. And they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of like, oh, all of our like gender nonconforming characters are in the background. And so it's not just a numbers game of how many LGBTQ plus characters you have. The more centered a story is on a character, the more nuanced you get to get into their story. And especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. Last summer, we, we removed all of the um, gendered, greetings in relationship to our live feels So we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We've provided training for
1: all of our cast members in, in relationship to that. So now they know it's, it's hello everyone or hello friends. We are in the process of changing over those Those recorded messages, and so many of you are probably familiar when we brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom, we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say
2: dreamers of all ages. We don't want to just assume because someone might be, in our interpretation,
1: maybe presenting as female that they may not want to be called princess.
2: I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics, but at the same time, like I worked at small studios most of my career and I'd heard, you know, hear whispers. Like I'd heard things like, Oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little like sus when I started, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard. I don't have to be afraid to like Let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this are, like I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer the show, I'm proud But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me, and no one was trying to stop me.
1: Wow. <laughs> Walt Disney has got to be rolling over in his grave. Vivian Ware, quote, we want to create that magical moment with our cast members, with our guests, and we don't want to just assume because who someone might be, in our interpretation, may be presenting as female, they might not want to be called princess. So they want to make sure that no one is ever offended. Have you noticed one category that they really don't give a hoot whether or not you're offended or not? Uh, If you're somebody that embraces traditional traditional biblical values, you need not apply. (laughs) We, We don't give one iota about you. Latoya Ravenu brags about how the company showrunners were super welcoming to her, quote, not at all secret gay agenda. In other words, I, I made no bones about it. I was, I was blatantly out front pushing a gay agenda. I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding, her words, adding queerness and no one would stop me, and no one was trying to stop me, she said. Uh, This is Disney. Uh, This is the guy that was all, uh, I mean, all about motherhood and parenting and uh, patriot, what is good, what is wholesome. Walt Disney's got to be rolling over in his grave. Jose Castillo, who is a current Walt Disney Company employee who's also running for Congress in Florida as a Republican told Fox News that Disney's new political activism may come back to bite the company in its pocketbook. Florida legislatures have floated the idea of repealing a 1967 Reedy Creek Improvement Act, which basically allows Disney to have autonomy. It's its it's its own government, basically. Um, now they and and what they're saying is you keep it this up. I mean, you're supposed to be apolitical. You're supposed to not be involved in this kind of stuff, and now you are actively working against the state of Florida. You're rebelling against the state government, and it is the state government that can turn around and repeal this 1967 Reedy Creek Improvement Act. Um. Jose Castilla said, I think that if Disney is going to continue this left leftward lurch and the legislature votes to give Disney the left leaning policies that they've asked for, then they'll be subject to the rule of the mayor of Orange County, which they will soon regret. If Disney falls under Orange County regulations and taxes, I suspect they'll think twice before pushing for more of them. So right now, they have a special exception. Now, it's interesting, Castelia also said, look, uh, I'm not necessarily against the 67 Reedy Creek Improvement Act, except for the fact of why does one business organization get to do this and others don't, which I agree with them. I mean, we if, we ought to be fair across the board, right? Um, it bothers me when I read public statements saying things like, we, quote, we believe the bill. He's talking about HB 1557, the Parental Rights Act, which has also been rebranded by the liberals as the don't say gay law. Uh, when the And again, my gosh, why would you be protesting a bill that says we're not going to have any influence over kids eight years or younger when it comes to Things like transgenderism, sexual orientation, homosexuality, any sexual practices, even heterosexual practices. And and they're outraged. Why would you be outraged on that unless you are in the business of grooming kids for some perverse reason? Again, getting back to his comments, it bothers me when I read public statements saying things like, we believe the bill shouldn't have been passed. I've been with Disney for 13 years, and I'm proud of my role in the company. When the company uses words like we, it, they're coming across, it means all of us, all the cast members, all the employees. And he says that's not the case. He has told Fox that a silent majority of Disney employees support the law. A silent majority of Disney employees support 1557, the parental rights bill conservative Disney cast members are afraid to speak out because of the company's very public stance opposing the parental rights and education bill. I think that's a grave miscalculation on Disney's part because the vocal minority doesn't speak for the majority of cast members or the majority of Florida parents who don't want their young children to be taught about sexuality by public school teachers. I I mean, be, be honest with you, I understand you have health class. I understand there's certain biology things you might teach. But um, what what they want to teach is is so perverse. Uh, one Florida teacher, uh, you talk about perverse, a gay Florida kindergarten teacher, a man, worries he will have to shield his personal life from his young students under this new bill. In an interview earlier this week with uh, MSNBC, or DNC, MSDNC, Corey Bernourette, a kindergarten teacher in uh, Parrish, Florida, said he's concerned the new law will put a wall between he and his young students. Quote, as an educator, we build relationships with our kids. In order to build relationships, you talk about your home life, you talk about what you do on the weekends, it scares me that I'm not going to be able to have these conversations with my children. They're not your children, bud. I don't want to have to hide that my partner and I went paddle boarding over the weekend. Listen, I, I'd be honest with you. There, there was growing up. I don't remember a lot of conversations between the teachers I had in elementary school. Granted, that was a long time ago but I don't remember a lot of conversations about them and their spouses. It just didn't happen. Uh, you're actually there to learn to read, write, add, subtract, have an art class, have a music class, uh, sex class in elementary school. I don't remember that. <laughs> wow. i I tell you, in all honesty, if my child... Was in this guy's kindergarten class, I would get he or she out of there as quick as I could. <sighs> By the way, Town Hall's reporting the left continues to fall for the science fiction concerning gender, you know, defining women which the left is all about. And then they've also fallen for the science fiction relating to the coronavirus. To all the vaccines you need to get every other week, along with wearing masks, that's going to stop everything. And that um, natural immunity, well, that's no such thing, right? Well, now they've combined the two. It's the Washington Post. Um, What's bizarre about this is the story they ran today Concerning how the coronavirus and pregnancies will, um, there could be some issues there. I'm not going to go into the article, only to say this is the Washington Post. This is the this is the publication, and this is an article on science supposedly. And what is the lead sentence in this article? Pregnant people who are vaccinated against the coronavirus are nearly twice as likely to get COVID-19 as those who are not pregnant, pregnant people. (laughs) This is, this is an article, a scientific article. You don't have pregnant people. You have pregnant women, Mr. Science. But again, the left, the mainstream media, they're going to cater to the woke crowd pregnant people <laughs> they only mentioned the word woman once in this entire article there you go there you have it we're gonna take another time out stay with us much more to come news and views continues right after this
0: No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare.
1: Worst nightmare of their lives.
0: This long, nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's and the where's.
1: Neighborhood by neighborhood, literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare.
0: It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. Yes. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk
1: 963 and 1037. Welcome in. Welcome back. Eden Gordon-Hill is a resident and small business owner in Cedar Point, North Carolina. She's formerly served the former president, Donald Trump, as senior advisor of communication at the Office of Personnel and Management. She was a political appointee under Trump, serving as a senior advisor of communication at the Office of Personnel and Management. And uh, with uh, Trump back in the news, coming to eastern North Carolina a week from tomorrow... Over in Selma, we thought uh, this would be interesting to get some insight from someone who has had uh, some experience working for Donald Trump. Eden welcome in
3: thank you so much for having me
1: uh now tell me what you did you were we we talked on the phone a little bit yesterday mm-hmm. and even before he was elected as president you right. had some work I, with Donald Trump
3: I had some work with uh Donald Trump I run my own media business in Cedar Point where I've been there for uh 12 plus years but um My work takes me to New York, D.C. all the time, representing conservative clients. And my interactions with Trump and his team right before he officially announced that he was running for the presidency was at CPAC. And I was working Radio Row, working with Sean Hannity, working with his radio show and other team members. And we were working with all the official or unofficial presidential candidates. And that's where I met Trump and his amazing team. Introducing him to the appropriate people and bringing him in to the radio booth. So you did a
1: little PR. A little PR. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: It was a great honor to meet him. um, But what a huge honor to be asked to come to Washington during COVID, during COVID, to drive back and forth and be able to serve two blocks from the White House.
1: So that's painful just thinking about driving from <laughs> Cedar Point North Carolina to Washington DC now, you did this on a regular basis I a did. weekly basis I
3: did it on a monthly basis okay. I was I would do a, a monthly check-in um, and again this was when we were on lockdown and I would hop in my car my husband said okay let's go let's do this and I would go and and uh, spend a couple days in our office but you know the most unique thing. We all sat across from one another like there was nothing going yeah. on.
1: Well, there wasn't actually Exactly. Well, I, I don't want to get that. That's an overstatement, but it was highly exaggerated. Let's put it that way. Yes,
3: very highly exaggerated. So. In that time period, I was, like you said, Senior Advisor of Communications at the um, pleasure of the President of the United States. And it was an amazing honor, working um, for the uh, uh, Office of Communications, but also worked on a unique side of things where Office of Personnel Management was focused on making sure our veterans were employed and our military spouses were employed. Mm -hmm. And I'm a veteran spouse.
1: Right. I, I, I saw that. I want to talk to you about that. But let me let me first ask you about uh, as someone who has no inside information, I'm looking at Donald Trump. I'm saying he's running. He's running. <laughs> and uh, I think the fact that he's coming in to endorse uh, Ted Budd is a good excuse for him to uh, Mm -hmm. showcase the fact that uh, he's still relevant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more that uh, Joe Biden does and says, the better Donald Trump looks. And uh, boy, I mean, to compare, and and you probably know as as well as anyone, you look at how efficient the Trump administration ran Mm -hmm. and compare it to the current administration, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Going from a seven forty seven to a Model T Ford that can't get their engine started.
3: Uh, that is correct. You've hit upon many points. What I call this current administration is the O Biden administration. Yeah. That um, is what I say to that. Um, I say that um, the lights turned off as soon as O Biden was in the White House or I should say his basement in Delaware. Uh, my parents do not live far from where he lives hmm. in the great state of Pennsylvania and they do see the flight line uh, obviously over their homes almost every Thursday. Really? So my question is how often is O Biden really in the White House? And my question is uh to that um I my question is to that, what, who is actually running it? Is it his chief of staff? Is it Obama? Is it Hillary? But in that, we have seen such a night and day difference. And I miss Trump. I miss the legacy that he has left. I miss the narrative, the constant narrative of for the people. We the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I miss the fact that being a veteran spouse, that my husband's care has dramatically dropped mm-hmm. ever since... Trump left the White House, unfortunately. Well, and, all of us missed
1: the gas prices that Trump yes. introduced,
3: and and uh, also having more um, opportunities to be able to go to the store and actually afford things and be able to put food on our table.
1: What well, do you think, Donald Trump is looking to be the kingmaker or the king? Hmm. And I'm and listen for any <laughs> liberal out there. Oh, he's king. No, that's figurative language. Okay.
3: Well, him coming to Selma. And having seen him at CPAC last in February right. in Orlando and seeing the amounts of people wrap around that resort coming to see him, I really do believe in my heart of hearts and my gut that he is going to do this again. Hmm. He believes in this country. He loves this country. And he was a true commander in chief.
1: It's interesting. There's a story out uh, today. I think, believe it or not, CNN released the story that basically... There was a controversy concerning the telephone log at the White House on January the 6th. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the narrative that the January 6th commission or committee, whatever they call themselves, was pushing. And a lot of liberal media was pushing. Well, even CNN came out today and said, no, nah, that, that's mm-hmm. a non-story. Mm-hmm. But,
3: well, I, uh, well, I am surprised that CNN came out with that. Maybe they're waking up. Um, nah, but- I,
1: I, that's a bridge too far. <laughs>
3: But in that, I think the January sixth commission has wasted our taxpayer dollars, oh, yeah. um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, listen, we need to take a time out, but I want to uh, get—I get, want you to stay with me because there's a lot more <laughs> I want to talk about, including um, the fact that you have a, a veteran husband who is also a wounded warrior. You mentioned the VA. Yes, let's Let's dig into that a little bit. We'll be right back.
0: This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and
1: 103.7. Welcome back in News and Views for a Friday. Special guest with us, Eden Gordon-Hill, and uh, talking about her time working for Donald Trump. And uh, she Now, this is not official, okay, so don't go out and <laughs> put it on your headlines, but... Uh, her hunch is uh, Donald is running again. You mentioned in our first segment that uh, you have a spouse who's a veteran. Your husband, Greg Hill, retired Army Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran, also a wounded warrior. And our thanks to him for his Thank service. Thank you. Uh, how, how, how does did he, what happened that he fell under that category?
3: Sure, sure. So uh, he was um, uh, in Iraq. Um, and during that time period, uh, yes, he was exposed to a lot of different aspects. Um, the TBI aspect, the PTSD aspect, but one thing that was uh, huge for him when he came back, he did not realize he had sleep apnea until he returned. And that was what kept him from being able to go back again. Cause he really wanted mm. to go back and serve again. Um, and that sleep apnea, we are now finding out is related to the exposures that they um, were put in front of while they were in Mm. Iraq. He was a military policeman um, with the big red one attached to the 82nd out of Fort Bragg. Mm. Um, And so he got out in 2005.
1: So he was up, up to 2005. His mm-hmm. plan was uh, to stay in there to for stay life. In.
3: Yeah, he did 23 years.
1: That's just about life.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and loved every minute of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah,
1: You were mentioning during the break that uh, you had a situation over the last uh, Christmas season where you needed to use the services of a VA clinic or hospital mm-hmm. and— uh, they moved on you?
3: Yeah, they did move. They did move. Uh, first and foremost, over the holiday season, uh, my husband was very sick. And what we normally do, we go to the uh, Moorhead VA clinic and his primary care is over there. And we called to get an appointment and the nurse plainly said, you are not able to come here. Please go to the most re- uh, closest urgent care to be seen. And I... Um, very firmly got on the phone with the nurse and said, then what is your purpose? And are, how many other veterans are you denying care? Because you clearly state that this is an urgent care facility for the veterans to be seen.
1: Now, would VA pick up the tab if you had gone to an urgent care?
3: Not necessarily. So that's another question. So I, I say, as a veteran caregiver... I am on the front lines looking to make sure that our caregivers have the best information possible. But here's something else. Um, Just the other day, I was riding by the VA clinic on Highway 70. There is a for sale sign now there. And if you notice that there is no park, there's no cars in there, and there's a small sign that says, We have moved to what notification did any uh, VA recipients receive this, any veterans receive this, any caregivers? We did not, and I started asking around and doing some background investigating. Nobody received any notification. I finally found out where they are. They are located at 2900 Arundel Street in Moorhead City. But it was because of a fact-finding mission and finding out that many, many of my future, future constituents Did not know about that.
1: Future constituents. I think that's a (laughs) lead-in. So you've decided to do something about it. Um, uh, Eden Gordon-Hill is running for the North Carolina House District 13, which covers Carteret and Craven Counties, The incumbent down there is retiring, Republican incumbent.
3: Yes, Pat McElrath is retiring. Yes. And
1: she just has had enough of uh, Raleigh politics? (laughs) Uh,
3: I I wouldn't know. But um, what I do know is that I filed— I have been serving, I've been in public service for more than 20 years, and I've been working behind the scenes with elected officials, House members, Senate members, and U.S. presidents. And I am no longer going to be sitting on the sidelines and telling somebody what to say and what to do. I am going to be, I am going to be doing that. I filed because I. the last straw was one veteran being denied, and I'm fed up with the VA denying our veterans, especially when there's more than 9,000 veterans in Carteret County alone, and that clues our military families, which has um, houses Cherry Point.
1: Well, let me ask you, how as does a state house representative how, how can you have a positive effect on the Veterans Administration?
3: Sure. So within the Veterans Administration, yes, it is a federal issue, and I get that. But being a voice at the local level, so...
1: You have a bully pulpit.
3: I, I really, really do. Yeah. And I sit around and I talk... I do kitchen table discussions. I do them daily now with the constituents. I sit down, I talk with veterans. I sit down, I talk with small businesses. I talk with nonprofits. I talk with mental health professionals. I talk with the aspect of the homelessness. So what I want to do is I want to get to Raleigh. I want to kick open some doors with my hot pink heels and my red heels and say, I'm here. I may be five foot, but I have some firepower behind me. And I said, I want to get some answers Um, to these questions because I am tired of the buck being passed to Durham or to another legislature or to somebody saying, oh, well, we'll get to that. No, that's not an answer. These veterans need answers and they need to be taken care of.
1: So it is Eden Hill for House.com. Primary comes up on May the 17th. That's a pretty conservative area. I imagine uh, the primary is going to be a a bigger battle than the general. Are there any Democrats running?
3: There's one other Democrat and then two other Republicans.
1: Okay, okay. So you will have a primary and you will also have a general election. We only have a couple of minutes, but what would you say? I'm talking about on a state level. Mm -hmm. What do you think the three biggest items that the three biggest issues that um, conservatives going in to uh, the legislature in North Carolina Mm -hmm. need to deal Mm -hmm. with. So
3: as I've been talking with the constituencies, I've been door knocking in all the different neighborhoods. And one big thing is to be heard. Hmm. I have been knocking on doors since I filed. And I will tell you, these constituents have said to me, we haven't seen anybody. Hmm. We haven't heard from anybody. And that's one big thing. The small business aspect to this area is one thing I want to make sure if, if, if is a strong word, but if in the event we have another COVID round because big media and big pharma says we need more money. I want to make sure that those mandates are not enacted from the state down. I want to make sure we are still free. We live in a beautiful, beautiful Carteret County and Craven County, and we have remained free. And I want to make sure that that does not happen again.
1: If now there was a, uh, a piece of legislation, I think Keith Kidwell was one of the sponsors of it to take away the emergency, well, to limit the emergency powers mm-hmm. of the governor, mm-hmm. and it passed, and he vetoed it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a possibility that we could have a uh, conservative veto-proof majority in the House and the Senate?
3: Boy, that would be absolutely amazing. But I want to make sure with that veto-proof that there's also some other aspects to that because the Free the Smiles was vetoed as well, you know. And so I sit there and say small businesses, the commercial businesses, commercial fishermen of the district – they are one paycheck away from losing it all because of the rules and regs. I want to make sure that I'm there for every vote when that comes up for them, because I have talked with them. I hear them and I want to make sure that they have everything that they need. And in the final aspect of that, I've been to China. I was a short term missionary over there and I was fed the fish from over there. And it's absolutely crap and i've said that in my speeches we have the best here and i want to make sure our state is educated and our consumers are educated on what is the gold mine of north carolina
1: her website is edenhillforhouse.com again she's running for north carolina house district 13 at carteret and craven counties are you going to go see donald trump
3: i hope so i would love to see <laughs> president trump again
1: hey thanks for being with us great uh, time with uh, our special guest and uh, have a great weekend. It's going to be pretty. Get out and enjoy and we will be back to see you on Monday at 5 o'clock. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: All right, all right, all right.